0: thank you amen hey listen everybody stand up and uh, find 16 guys and slap a high five with them and say thank God you're a man thank God you're a man you're a man thank God you're a man thank God God you're you're a man I want to thank uh, Christian uh, Faith Christian Center for bringing us together thank uh, all of the uh, leaders and pastors ministry leaders who brought men from your various congregation and movements and uh, efforts in this area with men and um, I'm I'm thanking the Lord for just the privilege to be back in New England again amen Uh, we we uh, had dinner with Pastor John and Anita last night and uh we told them to restock the calamari, because down, <laughs> down in the Midwest, we don't get too much of that, amen, cooked right, okay, and so uh, we just had a tremendous time. It's also good to see that we're multi-generational today, isn't that great? Yeah, we're not all young, we're not all old, but, uh, but we're men together here today, and so I bring you greetings from our local church, Rama Christian Center in Columbus, Ohio, I also uh, bring you greetings from uh, our network of local churches, a uh, network that I oversee uh, with a group of apostles and prophets and various ministers uh, that, that we are forcefully advancing the kingdom of God in the spirit of excellence. I also want to greet you on behalf of uh, many, many uh, churches in Columbus, Ohio that I have relationship with. They're praying for us today. And so I want to greet you on behalf of them. I told them I was traveling. Second time I've traveled since these 18-month COVID. Demon hit our nation and the nations, amen. And it's a virus, but uh, it is very demonic in its nature. And if you've had any friends, relatives, associates, neighbors, or kids that have contracted it, it's not, it's not a good thing. Nonetheless, we've been uh, healthy. The Lord has kept us, and we uh, thank the Lord for your presence in this place. I also honor the Lord for all of those who have had to wrestle with COVID and uh, some of them have passed on they've transitioned from this life to eternal life and so my prayers and condolences go out to those families as well uh, during this time because some people have experienced loss during this time and I never ignore that and one of the powerful messages that we preached at our church at the beginning of this year just remembering that was a little text out of the Sermon on the Mountain that said blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted and I preach that on Sunday morning and uh, help to bring our, our churches some understanding about grief because some people had loss but no closure because things are different right now. And so I'm also praying for all of those who have had any level of loss, not just with COVID, during this time and for your presence here is, uh, is great. Um, I was asked one time why I always say uh, slap high five with 16 guys. I said because I traveled with a man named Dr. Willis Cole for years and that's what he used to always do. And when I asked him, I said, why 16 guys? He said, I don't know. I said it the first time and it kind of stuck. So that's the way it is. OK, <laughs> so there's no deep revelation on that. OK, <laughs> it's just it's just the way it is. OK, and so uh, thank the Lord for your presence in uh, this place today. Um, Turning your Bibles to Second Timothy, chapter two. 2 Timothy, chapter two. Holy Spirit, I just welcome you as we begin to minister the word and as the workers continue to clear tables and as men have notes. I pray, Father, that you'll let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I pray that you would help us and strengthen us as we move through this day. And I thank you for everything that you have done and everything that you're going to do and accomplish during our time together. Father, if there is ever a time that... Our nation and the nations need men. This is that time. And Father, when you birth us as a male in the earth, we now have an opportunity to become a man, a husband, and a father. And I pray with those various roles of our maleness that we will come into it with strength, knowing that Christ is our model for manhood. And manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. I pray that you'll take the thoughts, the impressions, the dreams, the visions you've given unto me, Form them into pure words so will minister life to your men. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1 will be our anchor uh, for our two sessions together as we're led by the Holy Spirit. And what I, what I really sensed in my spirit is to talk to you some about, is to talk to you some on today about seven portraits of an enduring leader. Now, the good news is there are seven portraits Uh, And there may be more, but there's seven that I've discovered in Second Timothy. The bad news is I'm going to cover two of them. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Otherwise, we could be here until tomorrow. And I know some of y'all got football in your mind around noontime. And so uh, and so I I have some sense as a man, too. Okay, and so uh, what I'd like to do, though, as we begin, because I said seven portraits. Let me give you the seven portraits and then the first two that we're going to discover. First of all, in verses one and two, there's a portrait of a leader. And that's a son teacher. That's what we're going to cover in this first session, that you're a son teacher verses one and two. And that's the first one we're going to cover. Uh, The second we're going to cover is in verse number three, a good soldier, because, man, we're fighting for the soul of this nation and for the soul of our city, our regions and this nation and the nations right now. Uh, The third uh, one that we'll look at uh, that is there that we won't have a chance to get to, but it is there is an athlete, and that's in verse number five, an athlete, he, he calls him an athlete, striving, uh, the word uh, strive is, is, uh, refers to the core word from which we get the word athlete, uh, there, there is a, a soldier, wait a minute, let me, let me get this right, there is a soldier in verse number three, and there's an athlete in verse number five, so you have a son, a soldier, that's the one we're gonna to cover today, then you have an athlete, verse number six, you have a farmer, okay, now, uh, Calling somebody a farmer, you have to watch what context you're in. But a farmer, and he calls him a husbandman there. And then uh, when you get down to uh, uh, after the farmer, verse 15, he calls a leader a workman, a workman that need not be ashamed. You got that one? Verse 15. And then in uh, verse number 21, he's called a vessel. A leader is a vessel. In other words, you contain A whole lot of valuable stuff that God expects you to give out. And then if you go all the way down to verse number 24, he's called the servant of the Lord. A leader is a servant of the Lord. So I'll just give you the words this time. Uh, He's called a son teacher. He's called a soldier. Uh, An enduring leader is called an athlete. He's called a farmer. He's called a workman. He's called a vessel. And he's called a servant of the Lord. All right. So for all my preachers in the group, I just gave you a seven part series. OK. <laughs> all right. And my cash app is on the bottom of the notes. OK. <laughs> all right. Now. And um, as we look at these, though, let me tell you what's going on in this text. Uh, as we as we examine this text, first of all, Paul is writing the second time to his son. Timothy's writing second time. What he's writing to timothy four is that timothy has been left in ephesus uh, for leadership purposes because paul has established a church there but paul has moved on in his apostolic ministry because the word apostle means a sent one one who has been sent authorized with a man date a message and a ministry an apostle a mandate a message and a ministry so paul has moved on timothy has been there Timothy and first Timothy is dealing with two major issues in the church at Ephesus. Number one, persecution from without. And that's basically from the Roman government, governmental persecution from without. But then also because in the first century church, there were not seminaries and Bible institutes, etc., There was also something that was happening internal in the church. And that was called false doctrine from within. So you had, persecution from without false doctrine from within we still deal with that in the 21st century not every place is like the western church where we could basically choose whether we want to worship a lot of our fellow believers globally are under extreme persecution and no matter what continent they are on whether they are in asia whether they're in australia whether they're in europe whether they're in Africa, whether they're in North America or South America, many places around the world, there are places in those six areas of major habitation. There is Antarctic. There are seven continents. But there's not that many folk there. But, folks, there are those six major continents, and there's extreme persecution happening to many of our fellow believers. But also false doctrine emerges. The challenge that we have in the Western churches because of now technology we export our ministry style our models and our false doctrine all over the world oh, well. The united states is seen as the model for christian faith globally mm-hmm. now you might say well how do you know that's global because i've ministered on six continents of the seven in the world okay so i'm not talking as a novice i'm talking about what i've seen and what i've heard from emerging leaders around the world going there multiple times All six of those continents and tell, let me tell you, they take their lead from what they see from us. Look at your neighbor say, what are we modeling? If every Christian was like me globally, what would the church look like globally is what we have to wrestle with as men. And we have to endure hardship as good soldiers to uh, be a leader during this time. So first Timothy is written to encourage Timothy to stand and to move forward with the assignment that he has had. By the time Paul writes his second letter, now this is Paul's last epistle or letter that he's going to write. And this letter I've read a lot of, 2 Timothy, because I like to listen to people's last words. That's like in the Torah. I read a lot of Deuteronomy because it's Moses' last words. And I like to read what people say at the last. I I, I like to listen to Jesus's last words from the cross that we call the seven last words. I listen to David's last words. David is interesting. He's a warrior. Y'all remember David? And when David dies, he's getting ready to die. He said, listen, I'm getting ready to go the way of all flesh. And David has been killing folk all of his life. In fact, he wants to be a builder, but God said, you're not a builder. You're a killer. Okay, you were born. You can't build the temple because you're a man of blood. You were born to be a warrior, drive all the enemies out. Joshua, Moses brought him out of Egypt. Joshua took him into the land. David was designed to drive the enemy out of the land. He was a warrior, a man of blood. And David dies killing folks. I mean, he says, listen, I'll get ready to die. And I said, I wasn't going to kill that guy over there. He said, but when I die, <laughs> he said, don't let him see the next day. Don't let him see the sun go down. And then he said, and there was this other ball-headed dude that I said I wasn't going to do anything to. And he said, and when I die, you take him down too. He's like the godfather. Michael Corrion, where he says, I settled all the family business. Well, I don't think we ought to die killing folks. Okay, I can't get any agreement on that. Uh, so... Uh, And then there's Jesus who dies, and he says, you know, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And then he bows his head and he dies and says, Into my thy hands I commend my spirit. But then there's Paul, and he writes his second letter, because he knows to Timothy, I'm getting ready to transition, I'm getting ready to leave. And I'm leaving you here. And now Timothy has faced so much from persecution and from false teachers, and he was young, that now the church is risen up against him, and Timothy's starting to do this. Starting to back up and say, man, why did I sign up for this? Why did you leave me here with all these people? Why am I passing that? And Paul has to write him and tell him, stir up the gift that's in you. He has to call and write write him and tell him, don't let anybody despise your youth. And then he has to write him and tell him, I need you to be strong. So let's go to the text, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, my son, he says, uh, he says, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. The things that thou hast heard among me and many witnesses, the same commit the faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The Amplified says about that text right there in the middle of that first page. It says, So you, my son, be strong, constantly strengthened, and empowered in the grace that is to be found only in Christ Jesus. The things, the doctrines, the teachings, or the precepts, the admonitions, and the sum of my ministry, which you have heard me teach in the presence of many witnesses, entrust. As a treasure to reliable, faithful men who will be capable and qualified to teach others. Now, men, I believe that as men, we are called to be leaders. I believe that as men, we're called to be leaders. We're called to be leaders as men. I believe as men, not only are we called to be leaders, but I believe that we're called the lead And we're called to dominate the resources of the earth. That's what I believe that men are called to do. You're born a male, but you, uh, being a male is a matter of birth, but being a man is a matter of choice. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child. And then he said, I even thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And, And you're, you can be, you're born a male, but being a man is a choice. You have to choose to become a man. So every male can choose to become a man, a husband, and a father. And it should be in that order. Because women want to marry a man, not a child. In fact, women don't mind raising kids. They just don't want to raise a husband. You're only young once, but you can be childish forever. And as a man, he says, I want you to be strong as a man. And I believe that we're called to lead. So, so Paul uses this term of endearment. Now there are three basic anchors in in leadership that I want to talk to you about as a man initially. First of all, there's leadership relationships because you cannot have influence with people you do not have access to. You cannot have influence with people that you do not have access to. And so first of all, there is what I call relationships. Relationships are the bridge between you and another person so that you can have access to give influence to them. And as a male leader that's born into a maleness, becoming a man and a husband and a father, you've got to have access to people. And that talk, talks about relationship building. I believe that to build relationships, you must have, be able to attract people, believe in people, connect with people and then deploy people and encourage people. And that's the ABCD ease of leadership attract people. You cannot have relationship with people you do not attract. So you got to be attractive. There needs to be something inside of you. I'm not talking about being a pretty boy. I'm just talking about being attractive. There needs to be something inside of you. That's like a magnet that draws people to you. Whether it's your wisdom, your knowledge, your physique, there needs to be something that draws you to them. And then you have to believe in people once they're drawn. You got to believe that once you're well-informed and equipped and empowered, that they will do the best job that they can. Uh, After after you believe in it, you got to connect with people. You got to find out what they want, not just what you want from them. What do they want? What's their purpose? What's their potential? What's their goal? And if you can help them be successful, that's called being significant in their life. Because success is you achieving your goal. But significance is helping somebody else achieve their goal. You must be able to connect with people. You must be able to deploy people. Once you connect and, you, and, you de- and, and you've encouraged, then you can deploy them. That is, set them free to go fulfill their purpose and destiny. You model, you model for them, and then you mentor them. You show them how to do a thing. And then I call it, then you monitor them. After you model and you mentor then you monitor, and that is now. Now you do it, and I'm going to watch, and I'm going to help critique, and I'm going to help fine-tune what you're doing, and any athlete knows about that. Coach shows you how to do it, then you do it, and then he monitors, and he critiques, and he helps to sharpen and take you further than you want to go. You need to be able to deploy people. And then once even you deploy them, you can't stop. You and I need to understand that we need to go on, and, man, we need to encourage people, encourage them. Keep going. Keep going. And part of our encouragement is to say, now you turn around and do the same thing for somebody else. That's what Paul is telling Timothy now. He's saying, son, Timothy, he says, listen, you be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. So there's leadership. Uh, there's leadership relationship. You cannot have influence with people that you do not have access to. Next of all, there's leadership stewardship. Everything that God gives it to us, gives to us, he gives to us in stewardship form, man. We are managers over everything that he gives us. I used to think, and I used to talk a lot when I was young about my stuff. Who touched my stuff? Then I read Psalm 24, it says the earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof. The world and all they that dwell there. Everything that we have it's, it's God's and he lends it to us to manage. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't even say my money. Because <laughs> the earth is the Lord's. <laughs> the fullness thereof. The world and all they to dwell therein. No, it's his money. He just lends it to you to manage. So you can't say, all the church wants is our money. God says, it all belongs to me. And so we are stewards of everything, managers and stewards of everything. God owns everything. So we got to understand that every relationship that we have, we steward that relationship. We steward the relationship with our wives. We steward the relationship between our sons and our daughters. We steward our relationships in the marketplace. We steward our relationships in ministry space. Do you know that we're even stewards of our relationships in cyberspace? All of those are stewardship relationships that we manage and that we oversee. So there's leadership relationship there's leadership stewardship but listen to this there's also leadership and leadership is we lead others we lead so that we can lead others he leads us so that we can lead others he leads us so that we can lead others if you and i are absent of leadership the leadership of god the ultimate leader and people say well where's god called a leader psalm 23 he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake He's the leader. He leads us so that we can lead others. And as an enduring leader, if God leads me, then I need to turn around and make sure I lead others. I need to make sure I leave a, a straight path for those that are following me. How's your path, man? And somebody follows you on your path, where would it lead them? Would it lead them to health? Would it lead them to wealth? Would it lead them to benefit? Would it lead them to better life? Or would it lead them to destruction? pain sickness being a community nuisance where would your path lead people he leads us so that we can lead others. timothy first thing paul tells timothy to be an enduring leader as a son teacher he says first thing i want you to do is understand you need to be empowered and he says sons are empowered i put it in your notes by the grace that's only found in christ jesus that's the way we're empowered some people look for empowerment from a lot of different places and I have discovered that some places are destructive if you look for them for power for your life. Can't find power in an alcohol bottle. Can't find power in a crack pipe. You can't find power, you know, uh, smoking drugs. I understand that in certain sections of the city, now marijuana is on uh, on, on legislation and you know, being met, uh, is being um, uh, uh, legalized in a lot of places and and a lot of people are arguing back and forth. That's not my argument today. Where's your source of your powers, what I'm talking about? I had a men's million dollar church. It was scary. Because uh, some of the guys that came out of the prison, they, they were giving testimony about what they had done and why they had done it and why they're not doing it anymore. And one of the things they kept saying, y'all yeah, was out there rolling and, and, uh, and uh, selling them drugs. And they said, and they said, when I became a, Christ, a follower of Christ, I found out. For the obey the law of the lands and so I stopped selling drugs because it's against the law and I kept listening to that and I said well you stop selling drugs because of Christ and it's against the law and I said wonder when it's not a, what, what are you going to do when it's not against the law anymore and they went well. <laughs> Pastor John I said I know I'm going to hell if this is what I'm raising <laughs> inside of our church. I said this is terrible. Because men, people are going to follow us and people take their lead from us. I remember when we first started our church, I used to dress, man, shirt, tie, vest, jacket, pants, three piece suit, sharp. Then all of us, And you know what my men did? My men came in two piece suits, shirt and tie. So then I shifted to a two piece suit, shirt and tie. My men started wearing jackets and slacks tie and shirt. I shifted the jacket, slacks, tie and shirt. They shifted the jacket, open collar, slacks. I went jacket, open collar, slacks. They start wearing sweater vests, button down shirt, slacks. I shifted sweater vest, open collar, and a long sleeve shirt. Now they wearing jeans, hoodies, and T-shirts. I told them I'm not going to the next level. Because, <laughs> bro, I don't know what they're going to show up in then. What I've discovered about followers is they're going to do a little bit less than their leader does. You and I set the standard. Now, I'm not by any means a fashion critique. But I can't observe culture. You understand? And friends, Timothy says, man, I know there's a lot of sources that people are looking to for their strength. He is told to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. You see, grace is a word charis. It's God's uh, at work in your life. Some people say grace, unmerited favor, and that's a good definition theologically and scholars have used it. But friends, grace is also God's activity working in us. Work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. It says Philippians, it's God that works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. The text says, work out your own salvation. Look at your man at the table and tell him, work out your own salvation. Now go ahead and push him and tell him, leave me alone. (laughs) See? You and I have our hands full with us. And grace is God's activity in us. Work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. It's God that works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. It's God working in us. God, it's not only God working in us. It's God working on us. Grace is God working on us because God is always working and chiseling stuff away that we don't need. That was the former life, God saying. But he said, but you don't need that over here in the kingdom. So that needs to go away from your life as God working in us and God working on us. Do you know what grace is also? Not only God working on us and God working in us, but grace is also God working through us. Son Timothy, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And when God's working through you, that's what Paul says when he writes his second letter to Corinth. And he says, You know, I am what I am, but by God's grace. When he writes that great chapter on resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, he says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's God's grace working through it. So it's God's grace working on us, drawing us to salvation. And I don't know about you. It wasn't so much I found the Lord as much as he tracked me down and found me. I wasn't running to church. I was in church and was glad to get out of church when they said amen. But God kept working on me, tracking me down every place I went until finally I got to a place where I had to make a decision and say, I yield, I give up. This is going to produce the best life for me, the best life for me, the best life for me. He works on us, he works in us, and then he works through us. Be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Several scholars, Vincent Fawson Brown and some others like Moores have said this. They say, you know, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Some have put it like this. As a phrase, they said, let nothing else be your strength other than the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And friends, I've hit some things over this last 18 months with this COVID epidemic, a pandemic. And I've just said, God, I just need grace. Because you know what? We had to throw out, Pastor John, all of our strategic plan. We had strategic plans. And then they shut everything down. And when the shutdown happened, we had to say, the church was like, well, what are we going to do with that? I said, wait a minute. We're going to be led by the Holy Ghost. Amen. I said, I feel like I'm like Noah on an ark that's experiencing something that folk have not experienced before. And all I can do is be blown by the winds of the Holy Spirit, moving us together in this boat together. And I said, we're going to take this trip together and we're going to land safely. Come on. But I said, I don't know where we're going to be sometime from day to day. And if you were like the state of Ohio, our governor came on every day at two o'clock, giving us an update. And sometimes we didn't know where we we're going to be from hour to hour. And friends, those of us who are enduring leaders need to understand that we have nothing else to offer anybody except for the grace that's in Christ Jesus. We have nothing else to offer anybody other than the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Men, remember you are what you are, but by God's grace, don't ever get competitive with somebody else. Because you are what you are, but by God's grace. And so God's grace is God's working on us, God working in us, God working through us. And sons are empowered by the grace of God. And we are to be strong in a grace that's in Christ Jesus. I am what I am, but by God's grace. I wish I could take credit, but I can't. So I stopped wishing. I found out that he gives me saving grace. And I thank the Lord for saving grace. That's the grace where I can say amazing grace, how sweet the sound to save the rest like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And when we sing that song, amazing grace isn't it interesting, it says, was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace. My fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believe saving grace. But then there's living grace through many dangers, toils and snares. I have already come to grace that led me safe thus far. And grace will lead me on. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope, secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. That's verse four of amazing grace. I like verse five, too. Because it says, Yes, when this flesh and heart shall fail, and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. There is this eternal grace that says in verse number six of that great hymn the earth shall soon uh, dissolve like snow, the sun. Forbears to shine. But God who called me here below. Will be forever mine. When we've been there. 10,000 years. Bright shining as the sun. Will no less days. To sing God's praise. Than when we first begun. Those seven verses of that hymn. Amazing grace. Those seven verses shows the various portraits of grace, that there's saving grace, there's living grace, there's daily grace, there's dying grace, there's eternal grace. And we are what we are, but by God's grace. When you get to heaven and experience eternal life, nobody will say, I did this by myself. You and I need to throw up our hands every day and say, thank God for your grace because we are who we are but by god's grace even people that get free and have recovery from addiction and then if they have a relapse it was god's grace that led you into recovery and guess what god is with you even in relapse he doesn't stop with you he follows you wherever you go be strong brothers in the grace that's in christ jesus paul is talking to his legacy Now, listen, man, your inheritance is what you leave. Your inheritance is the stuff you leave your house, your lands, your insurance money, your car, your clothes. That's your inheritance. money. inheritance is what you leave. Legacy is who you leave. Legacy are the people that you poured your life into your inheritance is what you leave. But your legacy is who you you leave who have you invested your life in that when you're gone they take your place and go further than you may have ever been able to go paul is talking to a son that he also is now going to start shift and start talking about legacy because sons are entrusted with truth in our generation men, we've been entrusted with a whole lot of truth you go to Faith Christian Center. The church over here, what was the name of this church over here? Living Living Hope. You've been entrusted with a Living Hope. The ministry back here, what was the name of this ministry, brother? Say it again. Adonai Outreach Ministry. You've been entrusted with something. Faith Christian Center, you've been entrusted with something. Rama Christian Center, our men have been entrusted with something. And sons are taught by their fathers and by their father's stewardship. That's the first thing. Fathers, you and I are designed to pass on to our sons that which God has given unto us. It's called legacy. Galatians 4 and verse number one. I love this little text because it talks about sons and legacy. And it says, listen, now I say that an heir as long as he is a child, he differs nothing from a servant. Even though he is Lord of all, but 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 he is uh, under but he's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Listen to me. As long as we are immature, even though we are an heir, cleronomos. As long as, as long, even though we're an heir, we're going to inherit all this stuff. As long as we are a child, immature, we're no different than a slave. Until the time appointed of the fathers, they put us under tutors and governors. Jesus taught the early apostles, the early apostles passed on to the next centuries of apostles, prophets, bishops that passed this truth on to the next generation of the church. The church has been continual, unbroken everywhere at all times. We've gone through some dark times in the church, but we've also come through some times of Holy Spirit movement and it's been continual and ongoing. And we have to look at both our ugly history and our great history. And the church has gone through and it's been unbroken. But some things have been passed down to us that now we hold and we need to pass it on to other people. I did a funeral for a young lady in our city. 18 years old, graduated from high school. In our city, when students in Columbus City Schools graduate, the seniors usually throw some kind of recreational party usually it's at a rec center and what they do in my city is in the springtime they go out and they have water balloon fights in fact they not only do throw water balloons at each other they get soaked down but they also take out super soakers now my, when my kids were, were were infants uh they had super soakers i didn't even know those things were still around but i found out that some people as a part of their inheritance passed on their super soaker to their sons and daughters and they go out and they just wet each other down just have a great time. 100 kids were at this recreation center having their senior water balloon fight. Somebody drives by in a car, fires one shot, hits this student in the neck. She bleeds out on the grass at the rec center. Dead. Came up through our children's ministry. Was in our youth ministry. Was a spokesman for her class at graduation. Got a full scholarship to a historically black college called Wilberforce University. Dead. COVID is in. Funeral is called. Family calls me and said, there's going to be a thousand youth that show up because this girl was also an entrepreneur. She had created a hand sanitizer that she was marketing. And then she used to create dance garments for liturgical dance and when COVID came in she shifted her business and started making face masks entrepreneur scholar on her way to college dead I was called upon to do the service there we couldn't do it at our church because they said there's going to be a thousand students there and so I called up my friend, Bishop Radford, pastor of the Church of Christ of the Apostolic Faith. We have become good friends since he's coming to our city. Church seats 1,200 folks. I said, "Man, we're going to need those 200 seats." He said, "That family was raised up in my church." He said, "In fact, their grandfather was part of the founding members of this church. Have the funeral there. He officiated. I preached." One of the things that happened is during that service, people gave testimony. People were crying. When I got the pulpit. I took a text from where a brother killed a brother. His name was Cain and he killed his brother Abel. And I had to raise the question, are you supposed to be your brother's killer? Or are you to be your brother's keeper? What are we called to do? Because you see, when they killed this young lady. Sister Ridley, when we were buried When we came time for the burial and the committal. When you kill somebody, you never know what you're planning in the grave that didn't get manifested in the earth. You and I can read news about somebody being murdered. It's another thing to experience it. Because going into that grave might be the answer for cancer. Going into that grave might be the answer for this COVID uh, 19 and delta variants and any other thing that comes in the earth when you and i kill somebody we kill not only them but their potential everything that they could do but they have not done everything that they could be but they have not been we killed every card that she wrote this young lady had written a book of poetry that her mother read some of at the funeral no more poems because now it's killed and friends, you and I have been entrusted with something like Timothy. Not only had he been empowered by grace, but he'd been entrusted with some truth. And it's our responsibility to hold this sacred and valuable, the truth that God has entrusted unto us and not just treat it like it's a little bit of nothing and treat it casually like it doesn't mean anything. Because one day God is going to call us to account of what did you do with what I invested and entrusted in you. Everything God invests with us, He expects a return. Before I came here, Thursday night, I flew in yesterday. Thursday night, one of the uh, men, one of the men in our network, Jonathan Alvarado, Bishop Jonathan Alvarado from Grace Church International. His daughter's in our in our city now. She turned 22 on Thursday. She's taking a master's degree in, uh, in choral conducting. Music runs through their family. Their church is a musical church. I think when you walk up on the parking lot, the ushers sing you into their space. It's one of those kind of places, okay? Everybody sings, plays, or does something. And listen, she had a birthday party. And and, and our family tradition is that we don't do a whole lot, but we say, you know, hey, on your birthday or around your birthday, we're going to get the family together. We're going to have a dinner. We're going to give you some cards. In our family tradition, usually we get $1 per year, $1 per year, $1 per year, $1 per year. So you get these cards with all this money in it. And then as, as, as some people have more economic capacity, sometimes, you know, giving somebody $22 would be an offense for me. Okay, so you, you up it. You never lower it. Look at your neighbor and say, go higher. Wow. <laughs> 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 and so Ariel and so comes to dinner. Well, my daughter said, man, we can't have a dinner without a cake. And she said, I don't know if this restaurant, they serve marvelous food, but she said, I don't know about their desserts. So she calls up Arielle, asks her what kind of cake she wants. Arielle tells her. She goes to the bakery, finds the exact cake that she wants, brings it. When when, when the dinner's over, the waiters put candle on it, come out, they're singing. They put the cake on the table. We start slicing it. Yolanda, my daughter, gives Arielle a cake. I didn't know at the other end of the table where Yolanda was eating, her steak came out last. And they almost forgot to bring out her dinner. So... The waiter comes out and says, listen, we brought your dinner last and it was late and you won the first orders we put. He said, your dinner is on the house. And she had ordered all these appetizers and ordered all this uh, steak dinner. And she said, dad, that was gonna be a handsome bill. And I said, think about this, you gave away a cake and then you got a steak dinner with all the trimmings <laughs> back in return. See, the text says give, and I like what Bill Winston said, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shake it together and run it over. For whatever you give with all it, that thing you gave, shall be measured back in abundance back to you. God, when he gives us something, doesn't expect to take up the little thing that he gave us. Because potential is built inside of us and God's investing in us as men truth. And some of us are letting some of our brothers and sisters fade away into foolishness because they read something on the Internet. I want y'all to help me preach. Look at your neighbor and say, just as, because it's on social media, don't make it true. Go ahead and tell them. <laughs> I think that at some point in time now, I don't believe that we need to argue on social media. But I believe we need to get start giving some rebuttals to ignorance that we see because it's not true. It's I told one brother, he said, well, man, you act like you don't like me. I said, it's not that I don't like you. It's just not true. (laughs) Look at your neighbor say, it's not that I don't like you. It's just not true. (laughs) Listen, we have been entrusted with the truth and friends this truth that we have been entrusted with and that we have received. the amplified says it's the doctrine or the yoke or the principles or the admonitions or the full ministry that we have received we're to pass it on see sons submit to their fathers and his delegated authority stewards and authorities instructions and see as a son i've been entrusted with the truth but i need to submit to the instruction that i've been received I am the man that I am today, even though my father died when I was eight years old because I was entrusted with the truth from the men that were around my father that planted truth in me, and now I know that I have an IOU to those men to walk in that instruction that they gave to me. One man, when I go back to my home church for a funeral or for a wedding, he pats me on the the back and says, Scales, we're sure proud of you. He said, we made something out of you, didn't we? (laughs) I said, man, my name ain't Forrest Gump, man. Okay, And and I said, yeah, you did. But what he's saying is that we invested some things in you and we see that thing being lived out of you. And that does our hearts good. You've been entrusted with some truth. Listen, sons receive and they walk in the truth. And friends, some preach and practice the truth. Sons preach and practice the truth It's one thing to preach it's another thing to live it i found out if you're well trained it's easy to preach this word you know what's tough to do live it live it man and lived out truth is sometimes equally as powerful as preach truth when i read the book of acts there are some sermons in there don't get me wrong and i'm not ignorant of those chapters but listen most of the time in the book of acts as you saw holy spirit movement people lived in such a way by loving each other and walking and being led of the spirit and filled with the spirit and doing spiritual activity that folks would just gather to find out how y'all doing this their witness was simply an explanation of the way that they were living remember the day of pentecost peter doesn't stand up and preach a sermon he said, oh, y'all wondering what all this activity is. He said, let me explain to y'all what's going on. And he just starts saying, this is that which was proph- prophesied by Joel. Listen, I want you to understand lived out truth is better than any just proclaimed truth. And so we have been entrusted with the truth. Now, last thing, not only are we empowered by his grace, not only are we entrusted with truth, but now it's our responsibility to be a steward of the truth that God has entrusted us with as men. You're going to be an enduring leader. Sons are entrusted, uh, are to entrust the same truth that they have received the faithful, reliable men and women. Now, listen, this is called ministry multiplication. You and I, we need to recognize that someone has entrusted truth to us, and now we are to, supposed to entrust that truth to capable men and women. Entrust it to them, entrust it to them, entrust it to them. My oldest son's name is Jonathan. He's in his forties. I remember one time Jonathan stood up and he talked about his journey as a preacher's kid. And one of the things he said, he said, for me to abandon the way that I'm living and bringing my son and my daughter up in the Lord, he said, would be an offense to not only my parents, but an offense to the Lord. He said, because for me to go astray, And to become something other than a follower of Jesus, he said, would be an offense to the Lord and to my parents. And he said unto myself, because it would have to ignore and deny everything that my Sunday school teachers, that my youth workers, that my father, my mother lived and modeled before me. And he is now committed to passing it on to capable people. Now, listen, capable people are people that have the ability. Timothy, the things that you have learned. Pass them on the the capable people. You're getting ready to start some men's groups. And and in in legacy-minded men, that whole idea of being legacy-minded means that we want to put some truth in you that you can pass on to some other men. So that when you go to arts and entertainment or business, when you go to uh, community services or you go to direct media, listen, when you go to families or when you go to government, that you're able to carry that truth in there. And though you may not quote scripture, You can tell the story of the truth in that context where you are. Listen, I was in a business meeting and one of the gray haired founders of this company was getting ready to transition out. When he's getting ready to transition out, they had called me there just to do what they call the invocation, the opening prayer. Because the owners are Christians, though it may not be. They never had built it as a Christian company. They said that our founders get ready to transition out his sons and the new team is coming in. And they said, Reverend Scales, could you come up and just pray for our founder as he makes his transition? I knew I was in a business setting. I laid my hands on him and I began to pray for him. And one of the things I said was Psalm 71, verse 18, which simply says, um, from my youth, I've observed thee, O Lord and you have not forsaken me. It says, now when I'm old and gray-headed, don't forsake me until I've shown this generation your strength and everyone become your power. And then I begin to pray for that man, and I begin to pray for him that though you're getting older, doesn't mean that you're disqualified from use with God. Just because you have gray hair doesn't mean that God's finished with you. Now I want to talk to the gray-headed men in here, and some of y'all that have gray hair, but you're doing some stuff to it, Okay. <laughs> Just because you get older doesn't mean you're useless. The last part of your journey on this legacy race is to take what's in you and show it to the next generation. That psalmist says in Psalm 71, 18, don't let me depart until I have shown this generation your strength and everyone to come your power. In other words, though I'm getting older and gray, doesn't mean I'm finished. It means I still have some stuff to give because no matter how much energy you have as a young man, you don't have the experience. You can get the information, but I know how to interpret the information. And see, many times we put our old folk on the shelf and old folks gladly go there on the shelf, but you still have a lot to give. And I love Paul because he doesn't die just giving up. You know, at the end of his race, when he says, I fought a good fight. In other words, man, I stayed in there and I kept swinging no matter what. I watched a fight when I was in uh, uh, when I was out of the country. I think I was in France and I watched this fight, man, between Wilder and Fury. And, and this number two. And, and I mean, the brother was getting beat up, not only beat up, beat down. Blood was coming out of his ear. Blood was coming out of his mouth. And they stopped the fight. And you know what the brother was saying? I mean, he was like, this on on the ropes in the corner. He was saying, why did they stop the fight? We said, brother, look at yourself. (laughs) And you know what he said? He said, man, I want to be carried out on my shield. That's what he said. In other words, man, it ain't over until I'm down and out. And he just figured as long as he was standing, he was still in the fight. I close with this thought. I watched a movie one time called Glory. It was about a black troop that came out of this area. Massachusetts. And then went down to South Carolina, and the last portion of their existence was rushing the forth. And I've been to South Carolina and the Mass. It's kind of interesting. Morgan Freeman was in that movie, Denzel Washington, a bunch of guys were in it, And then last night, before they get ready to face down those cannons, they have a prayer meeting of all things. They're around that fire going, uh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh Uh and then one of them start talking and then they come back to that same move well one of the phrases in that prayer was that morgan Freed said lord he said we're getting ready to go face those cannons tomorrow and he said he said and let our people know that we went down fighting and he said and if tomorrow is our great getting up morning he said let our relatives know that we went down standing up I believe that that's the way legacy men are. If you're going to go down, go down standing up. Just don't lay down and quit. Fight a good fight. Finish your course and keep your faith. You see, part of what we're called to do as enduring leaders is to endure that hardship and fight a good fight. Finish our course. Keep the faith we have to entrust our truth to capable people men and women and we have to entrust truth to qualified men and women and finding capable people is pretty easy following finding qualified people can be difficult and it takes work give it away give it away give it away give it away Round your tables right now. Do an age check. Find out how old everybody is. And then the youngest person at your table, hold your hand up. Okay. Turn to your table. All right. (laughs) I don't know how to phrase that question, but I saw some hands going up immediately. Do a check. Find out. Find age and then find out who's the youngest at your table. Go ahead. Do a check at your table. Okay. Do a check. All right, do a check around the table. Find out who's the youngest. Okay, you found the youngest at your table? Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want those that are at the table to pray for the youngest person at your table. And then after you pray for that youngest person at your table, I want you to sow something into their life. Now, I ain't telling you what to sow. Now, I know some of you say, I'm gonna give them this napkin right here, okay. Now, <laughs> so, I want you to <laughs> sow something into their life. You might, yeah, into that young person's life, that the youngest person at your table. You might sow a word of wisdom written on a paper. You might sow some money. You might sow your Bible. But you're gonna you're gonna find something to sell cuz everybody's got something to sell. Okay. Okay, then you 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 are prophetic then. <laughs> I'm not going to call you a prophet. I'm going to call you prophetic then. Okay? Get up. Everybody get up on your table, pray for the youngest person at your table. Go ahead.